What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Kind of Funny X-Cast, episode five, your weekly podcast all about Xbox here at Kind of Funny. I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and of course, I am joined by my two incredible co-hosts. Let's kick it over to Alana Pierce. Alana, welcome in this week. How are you doing today? I think I maybe say this every week. It's really hot in <laughs> LA, uh, continuing to be hot, but I'm doing really good, having a good time. That's great to hear, Alana. I mean, the summer is in full effect. We're about to say goodbye to it. So those hot August nights are Why still is getting, it getting hotter. It doesn't, <laughs> I only know Celsius, but it's going to be 39 degrees tomorrow. That's so, that's like 100. Why, <laughs> why is it happening now? <laughs> she made me think for a second there, Gary. I was like, I don't know what that <laughs> means. Chilly. Okay. No, that's a lot. It's like, that's, that's like 110. That's crazy. Is it? Yeah. It's yeah. Brutal. Double it and add 30, basically. Chill out, man. Look at that. Okay. Well, let's go over to our other <laughs> co-host, the one, the only, the rogue one, host of Animal Talking, the hit talk show over on Animal Crossing, my good friend, Gary Witta. What's going on, Gary? Glad to be here as always with you both. Uh, it's hot here as always in San Francisco, but we don't have air conditioning here, mm. so it's even worse. It's like 80-something today, but that's too hot for me, having grown up in the UK. Anything over like 60, I start to start to complain. Um and my goodness, episode five, this is, it's flown by, the penultimate yeah. episode if we don't get picked up. I did want to, sorry to take the, a question away from you, Mike, immediately. Be yeah, like, yeah, Gary, you had uh, Phil Spencer on your talk we show did. this week. Uh, did you get any hit. fun tidbits from him? Um, he, uh, he was a great guest. Um, and I, I, I got to say, I got to give credit to, to, to Phil. We'll get to this in a moment because it's obviously the big story in Xbox news this week. Uh, Phil came on the show the day, uh, the very day after uh, they they dropped the big bombshell of the Halo Infinite delay into next year, and I think it would have been very easy for Phil to get out of that appearance or to like just like like just finesse the timing a little bit so he could have dodged it. He didn't. He came on the show and he sat on that virtual couch in a Nintendo game and answered what I thought was some pretty decent questions about, you know, what was going to happen, the, you know, what it was like to make that decision and what it meant to, de to delay Halo. And he took it on the chin. Um, I don't think anyone is more bummed about the game being pushed back than him, right? Like, it's, it's not a good look for anyone at Microsoft that they had to push their killer app. Uh, but he came on and uh, he sang along with Lisa Loeb and he told some bad <laughs> jokes and he got into the spirit of things. And um, it's actually my first time really ever interacting with Phil. And I realized he's actually a really, uh, it struck me like, I came away thinking like he's one of the good guys. Like I really like Phil a lot. Phil is a uh, very likable person who isn't always PR in a way that every time that I ever talk to him, I can like make a joke and not talk to him about Xbox at all. And he's like very cool with it where a lot of people in right. his position are like, very strict with talking to you because they're very PR, but he's just very personable. I'm a huge fan. Phil's a great guy. Yeah, and that's agree. why he's Uncle Phil. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil. I love that. Yeah, he was really calm, cool, collected, and open and honest. I think that was my biggest takeaway, Gary, was like that was a just fun conversation between the two of you with a lot yeah. of cool insight onto what the future of Xbox is going to be, what he sees himself as. And I think I highly encourage everybody to go out there and go check it out. Where can they find that? YouTube.com slash G Witter is where all the Animal Talking episodes live on the web. You'll find it's the most recent episode with Phil and Lisa Loeb and Dylan Sprouse. And yeah, it's a, it's a good point that you make, Mike. Like Animal Talking is not like, there's never going to be like a thorough journalistic interrogation of anyone on that show because it's a dumb talk show. It's a comedy show. But nor, nor did I think that he could come on the show and just like, like pretend it didn't happen, like laugh it off. Like I felt like he had to like face a couple of you know, robust questions about, you know, what it meant to delay the game and why did this happen? And like I said, I think I thought he handled himself uh, very well. 
Yeah. It was really good, Barry. It was a lot of fun. So let's jump into it. Let's kick it off with our icebreaker question of the week coming from best friend Kevin Ace X. Kevin says, hey, we have a great controller design on the Xbox, and we've seen some small changes going into the next generation. But if you, Alana Pierce and Gary Witta, could add any feature to the Xbox controller for a new generation, what would it be? Alana, I'll let you go first. Of course, remember, we got a share button on this generation. What, what, what kind of fun things would you add to the controller? Look, I really do like the light bar on the DualShock. I okay. really do like the way that some games uh, use that. It do doesn't necessarily have to be a light bar on the back, but sometimes you can tell like your health or something um, based on the color of, of the, the light bar. I'm a fan of that. Um, I feel like I would also probably like to have the option to have built-in batteries rather than uh, not, um, but that is neither here nor there. But I'm going to say like I do think the light bar is super cool. Um, that's all that all that's all that comes to mind right now. Not that, important, that, but it's one neat. I didn't think of Alana. Yeah, that is neat and pretty cool. And I, I do like seeing that whenever I play on the PlayStation, seeing that thing light up, glow, and occasionally change colors. That's actually a pretty cool one. Gary, do you have a fun one for me? Well, first of all, uh, to, to, just to, to uh, be the be the uh, contrarian here, to Alana's opinion, I don't like the light bar on the DS4 at all. I find it distracting. And when you're playing in a dark room, it's just another light source that annoys me. You can actually go into the settings and dim it. I always set it to the lowest level possible. Um, unlike the touchpad, unlike the speaker in the my sorry, yeah, the speaker in the controller that I think they've done some innovative things with. You know, like when you get chased around by the cops in GTA, you know, the siren comes out of the. Speaker. See, I don't like the speaker. <laughs> Because I feel like it constantly catches me off guard. And then I'm like, yeah. So, like, I feel like I find the speaker and, and like when, a jump scare. When my wife is playing Ghost of Tsushima, every time the wind comes through the speaker, it is a bit like, oh, what was that? Like, it freaks <laughs> yeah. around a little bit. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't love the light. I'm sure this probably isn't the case, but like, I wonder if it does contribute to the fact that all I think is like that thing's eating up battery. And I feel like I, I have to recharge my DualShock way more often than an Xbox One controller. I just think that the, the battery is in it is as good. I think, you know, having to power a light probably isn't uh, helping things either. Um, but so the question of the Xbox One controller, not, I wouldn't add much. Like, this is, this is as close to a perfect controller as I think has been created. One of the reasons why I generally prefer to play multi-platform games on the Xbox is I just like this controller better. I like offset sticks. Um, it just feels better in the hand. It feels like it has more substance. Um, I like my Elite controller a lot. I love the I love the paddles, um, you know, little paddles under here. I think are really good. Um, let me let, let me let me ask a question back to you, uh, Mike and Alana. Do you think that share button is a good addition? I don't use the share button on PlayStation. I don't touch really. it like, at all. Can you see yourself well, using a share well, button very much? I, I'll be happy to answer that. I think it's awesome, Gary Witta, because for me personally, I think it takes me out of the experience to have to click on the Xbox home button and click Y and or X to screenshot or record. I would much rather keep the gameplay flowing and moving and quickly just slide over and hit that button in the middle than hitting game guide. Mm. Now all of a sudden it slows down my moment for a second. I do not like that. I suppose still, I don't still... do that very often, but I will say again, resident connect apologist. One of my favorite <laughs> things with the connect was being able to play something and the game is like bugging out or breaking and you just go, Xbox record that. <laughs> I like, I have, like had tons of fun with that. Yeah. Um, the, but I guess I don't, I don't record things just based the on my the, I think the issue is it definitely, it definitely is going to be one less step to not hit the guide button. But like even on the PlayStation version, which has, you know, good share options, when you hit that button, it still takes you out of the game because it brings up a whole menu. Do you want to take a screenshot? Here's what I would like to see is some kind of setting 
where I can just set a macro. So it's like, what do you want the share button to do when you press it? I just, I just want it to, I just want it to seamlessly and visibly record the last 30 seconds of video. So I can do a share, but without it interrupting the game at all. Mm. I, I'm sure, Gary, I, I don't know the 100% back end on this, but I believe that's what this is going to be. Is you I hope set so. Set that button to screen cap or 45 seconds, two minutes, whatever that length is. And that will be the goal there. So I, I believe that's what this share button will be integrated to be create. I do I, uh, love that screenshot button on the Switch. I do <laughs> yes, really, really right? like that. Right? That's easy and quick. I like that. That's, that's yeah. nice and easy. Yeah. And I don't want to go through a whole menu. I just want to... Here's what I would do. And here's my advice. Pay me, pay me for this idea, Microsoft. <laughs> if I just hit the button real quick, it takes a screenshot. If I hold it down Double for a half it. second, it records like 30 seconds of video. And I never want to see a menu. I just want to get on with it. Yeah. Good I idea. Uh, for me, I will go with more of the premium, op or premium option. And I know maybe it's too expensive to actually implement, but I do love the back paddles on the Xbox Elite controller. I think these are like the future. I think these are truly and honestly the next generation. I know it probably will raise the price of your controller to add these, but the customization of putting on two, putting on one, putting on all four, changing the button scheme, I think this is the future of gaming on the controllers for the Xbox because it is really, really sweet. One of my friends came up with a good one, Maddox Jr. He said, I would like to see fans added inside the controller to cool <laughs> off my hands. And I started laughing because we play a lot of wars and we play a lot of stressful games. And there are moments where I have to take my hands off the controller and either wipe on my shoulder. They're real grippy. Yeah. The other yeah, I'm in panic mode half the time. <laughs> the other the other reason why I prefer the elite controller, particularly the new one. Um, is it just it does feel a bit heftier? You know, it feels more like a premium mm -hmm. product. The paddles they get adding those that that's expensive. They're unlikely to add that to the basic one. One thing I would like to see on the Series X controller, and I don't know if they if they've done this because obviously you haven't held it yet. But the other thing I like about the Pro controller is it just has that more kind of rubberized feel to it yeah. than just like just like you know the the dimpled plastic. Like it just it just feels better in the hand, and I would love I would love them to take some of the easier and cheaper to duplicate and bring over from the Elite controller to the Series X. That rubberized feel is something I, I personally really like. Controllers are forwards compatible though, correct? Like I can use my Elite 2 on the Series X. So like correct. If, that, yes. if that's the case, like I agree, Gary, I genuinely think the Elite 2 is my favorite controller ever made. It is my favorite controller to use. I have my Elite 1 that I use whenever I'm playing games with a controller on PC and then my Elite is on my TV. Uh, two, sorry. Um, and I, I basically have nothing that I would change. Um, I know I've heard people say they have complaints with the elite, with the panels popping out, in that like people have had, I guess, like these sort of areas oh. of disconnecting. I think, I think on the first one where there there were some build quality issues. I haven't heard, haven't heard that on the second. No, no, I've never had anything like that. But I love it. I mean, I love the the rubber grips on the back, like. <laughs> Yeah. It's a great Here's the thing. The fact that they haven't substantially changed this design since the 360 tells you that they know they nailed it some time ago. You know, they well, don't they, need to they, reinvent the I think they the put some like psychological research when they were designing the controller, if I remember correctly, to make sure the offset sticks with the right call because supposedly it helps your brain differentiate which controller is doing which thing for players who've never played with two sticks I, before. I Whoa. much prefer the offset sticks, and it's all my wife can use on PlayStation. My wife can't use a DualShock 4. She uses the Astro C40, which mm. actually lets you um, switch out the D-pad and the left stick so that you mm. can make them offset if you want. I much prefer offset sticks to the yeah, me too. parallel ones on the, on the DS4. Wow, you two. One of these days, we might have to go into a deep dive of the Xbox controller and say how much we love it. But that might have to be after our six episodes, so hopefully we'll get picked up. <laughs> and a little teaser, Alana bringing up your controllers moving forward with you. We'll be talking about a controller that may be moving backwards with you as well. 
to stay in the ecosystem, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's jump into the housekeeping news. Of course, the X-Cast posts each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. Pacific time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and podcast services around the globe. We are a brand new show, so we need your support. Please subscribe to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, like the video, and share it with everybody you know. There's only two episodes left, including today. So please remember, this could be gone. We got to make sure Greg Miller and the Kind of Funny crew say, let's keep this thing rolling. Also, remember, we are on podcast services. So please subscribe and leave reviews. You can find the whole Kind of Funny suite by just typing in Kind of Funny. You can find all the shows. It's super awesome. So make sure to go support those. And let's keep this thing rolling. Finally, Greg Miller is right at the end of his first ever playthrough of Halo Combat Evolved. Make sure to check it out Thursdays. Twitch.tv slash kind of funny games, and you will catch the VODs on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. Tim and Greg, they got to figure out when they're posting those. Barrett will one day tell us, but don't worry, <laughs> it's on the way, y'all. Let's mm. jump into the news. Let's check the dashboard. Of course, the big weekly topic is a lot right here. So, Halo Infinite delayed until 2021. Of course, a lot of us have seen, a lot of us has talked about it. I'm going to read a small excerpt from the Twitter post. Coming in from Chris Lee, studio head over with Halo Infinite, he wrote, Today I want to share an important Halo Infinite development update with the community. We have made the difficult decision to shift our release to 2021 to ensure the team has adequate time to deliver a Halo game experience that meets our vision. The decision to shift our release is the result of multiple factors that have contributed to development challenges, including the ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all this year. I want to acknowledge the hard work from our team at 343 Industries who have remained committed to making a great game and finding solutions to development challenges. However, it is not sustainable for our well-being of our team or the overall success of the game to ship this holiday. There is more on that tweet, so go make sure to check out that post, twitter.com slash halo for, up that, for that update. But I'll pose the question to both of you. Let's kick it off with Gary. Gary, what are your thoughts on the delay? Was this the right move for Microsoft 343 Industries with this big Xbox Series X launch looming in the distance? I mean, I think, yeah, clear. I mean, clearly they made the decision; it was the right call. Like they, they would not. This, this is such a catastrophic thing to have to announce, and everyone is so disappointed that they would not have made this decision unless they were confident that anything else they could have done would have been even worse, right? Like they clearly were not able to ship this game. Like, and they reached a crunch moment where they had to make this agonizing um, decision. And, you know, we talked about it with Phil, you know, uh, earlier this week when we did the live interview with him. Like, he acknowledged that this is a total bummer. Like, so I don't think anyone is more bummed out about it than him. This is not a good look for Xbox or Microsoft. This is a, this is a you had one job kind of scenario, mm. right? Like, yeah. ship, you know, ship the killer app with your console that you said you would, and they've, and they've failed to do it. And that's embarrassing. It's not a good situation. Um... You know, I, th I think ultimately they'll be fine. It's not in the great in the grand scheme of things. It's not going to change. It's not going to move the needle in like the great next generation console wars or anything. But for right now, it's a big it's a big bummer. Um, I think it is a little bit embarrassing for Microsoft that they you know, this is one of the most important boxes that they had to check and they haven't done it. You know, they, they came up short. Um, and in terms of the why. Uh, in looking at this, is one of the questions I asked Phil, like the, the statement is quite intriguing and in that it says, look, coronavirus. Uh, was a big part of this. And I think that I don't look at that as a dodge or an excuse at all. Like I work in Hollywood where I've had so many projects delayed or outright canceled. Like we all know just like how disruptive coronavirus has been 
in terms of uh, you know, projects and, and workflow, everyone's working from home. That's a big part of it. But the statement also said it was only part of the reason. That was one of the questions I asked Phil, like, well, what are the other reasons mm-hmm. that the statement alludes to, but doesn't specify? Um, and he went into some detail, but didn't get too specific. Um, so somebody somewhere along the line, either one person or a team of people, whatever, dropped the ball here. Like this shouldn't have happened, but it did. Um, and uh, maybe one day down the road, a Jason Schreier type figure will do some investigative journalism and get to the bottom of it. But for right now, all we know is what we're dealing with is that they didn't they didn't hit their target. Everyone's super bummed out, no more so than Phil and the people at Microsoft who, again, this doesn't look good for them. Um, again, whether in the long term, will it make that much of a difference? I don't know. But certainly going into this hol- holiday, yeah, a big loss for Xbox and Microsoft. I... Uh... I wondered, like, this This statement says sort of nothing. So, A, I'm always cool with games being delayed if it means they'll be better. That's always the case for me. Um, I wondered if the COVID uh, excuse was true, um, just in that, like, it's not like I don't agree that COVID has definitely impacted some things, but I don't know if that is, like, an easy thing to say or if it is something more complicated than that. Uh, was part of this the negative response people had in part to the gameplay reveal? Because I still maintain... I'm happy with it. As a Halo fan, I had no complaints. I'm like, cool. Um, but I would also be like, if they made it look better, I would be like, extra cool. Uh, but I wonder if it is graphical updates or is it literally, you know, the getting the final uh, level of the game to even function, which is a part of development where I feel like a lot of the community has assumed that they're doing it because of the negative response. So I just kind of don't know what it means. Um, overall, agreed, it is a massive bummer. It means the... Uh, Really the only launch title that I'm excited for for either of the consoles now, like very excited for is Miles Morales. Um, But uh, Xbox still has Medium Scorn, I think it's called. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that it or is that one more? Obviously they have like the whole backwards compatible library. When it comes to like Xbox exclusive games actually made for the Xbox Series X. I think it's just those two. Um, I think maybe I'm forgetting one you're, more. You're but. also thinking of probably Tetris Effect, but that's, that's kind of, like you said, kind of hard. Tetris Effect Connected is what it's called. Yes. For me, by the way, that is still a killer app. But for most people, yeah, I get why it's not. <laughs> yes, uh, which is also a weird one because it was a Sony-published game that has basically a multiplayer expansion that is launching on Xbox Series X but will be coming to PlayStation at a later date as well. Like, that's the weirdest exclusive situation for any game. It's so strange. Um, but generally in agreement, I think that this is like pretty bad. So the fact that this has happened, uh, like if you're talking about it from a business perspective, is a huge bummer to not have Halo on launch. gives people less reason to get invested in the, the infrastructure. But my personal stance is always, if you need to make something better, delay it. And that's fine. You know, Mike, yeah, what's your take? You always bring the positive attitude. But yeah, you've you got to admit, this is yeah. a massive bummer. Well, Gary, thanks for bringing it up because I am going to be a little (laughs) bummed here. Uh, I'll first start off with, I think it's really cool to see my little ecosystem, my bubble of friends. Really, you know, we've seen it grow over the past couple of years with game delays. Now people are really on board to say, hey, we support you, development team, whatever. Go out there, take the extra time you need to make this game great. And I think we all echo that sentiment as you've heard them. And I'm sure a lot of people listening now feel the same way, but in all honesty, this is a huge bummer, especially to me, Mike the Gamer, right? I look at this as my first ever time having a Halo launching with a console. Yes, it launched back with the original Xbox on Halo CE, but that was a long time ago. So for me, Mike the Gamer here, like this was a big moment that I was going to celebrate. I couldn't wait for holiday with my friends to play, like Alana said, 
Friday night Halo games. This was going to be a special moment. So this is a huge letdown for me and I'm sure a lot of others in the community and the development team, as we've talked about. This one hurts a lot. I'll pose the question back to you, Gary Witta, and Alana, kind of similar to me, right? I saw that demo and I said, oh, okay, this is Halo. I'm looking forward to what will happen next. I'm ready for this. I guess my question, Gary, I want to pose to you is, if we came out of that Xbox game showcase and that eight-minute demo and everybody was just sunshine and lollipops and everybody was up on that, would they have released this game, Gary, even though maybe they knew or you know, other people had the critical eye? But like, if the more positive reception came out, would they have released this Halo to us? It's, it's, it's impossible to say. I, I don't think... I don't know. It's really interesting to me to know, like, I would love to know what their reaction was after that, after the Halo Infinite reveal got the very, very lukewarm at best reception that it got. Like, were they were they really surprised? I'd be surprised if they were surprised. They must have known it didn't look that great. Right. They really I don't think that. they expected it at all. No, oh, I think they really? thought people would be I'd, super excited. Oh, I agree with Gary. I thought, I, I thought you had to have seen this coming, right? I mean, I, of course, I was high on it, but like, as that team, they had to have looked at each other, right, Gary, and been like, Ooh, I don't know if, if you're an experienced developer or a studio head or whatever. You're, you, I don't know how you look at that footage when, like, right before it's about to drop and go, "Oh yeah, people are going to love this." Okay, the I, reason I, I say that is the marketing teams, like Aaron was tweeting, like they were hyping it up so much that you would think there would be communication along the lines if they thought that people would be just. To be fair, I also watched it and we immediately recorded our new show, and I, I said it looks great, and then the comments were all, "What the hell are you talking about?" And I was like, "People didn't." Think it looked good like yeah. i didn't i didn't expect it uh so i i just feel like the way that they hyped it up was probably a big part of the disappointment but they were obviously i figure confident in it if they were hyping it's, it up that much it, it's subjective for sure when we when we did episode two or whatever it was when we, I, I was like really down on it and you know and and, and mike and alana you got you had like we were all across the board so there's, there's no one right way to think about it. And that's why I say the reaction was mixed instead of overwhelmingly positive or negative. It was all across the board. But it was one thing is true. It's not the reaction they wanted, right? Sure. And, I, and whether it's the reaction they saw coming, who who can say? Um, but look, this, this is the right decision to push it. Um, and again, they they wouldn't they would not have made this decision lightly because it's it's catastrophic, right? I mean, it's strategically just really bad. Yeah. Um, uh, again, I think they'll recover. It's it's a it's a bad look for a while, but again, early next year we'll all have forgotten about this. And I just want to say something that might irritate some Xbox fans out there and Halo fans who are bummed out about this. And I'm no Microsoft apologist, as you know. I was the one in episode two that were giving them the hardest time for that Halo footage. This isn't the end of the world. Trust me. Come November, we're all going to have be bigger things to worry about. So you'll play it in March. We'll all get on with our lives. You'll wait a bit longer for it. From a gamer's point of view, it's not the end of the world. I'll, let's pause right there for a moment because I like that, Gary. Gary, you think March? Alana, if you just had to give me a quick window, what do you think 2021 really means? Because for me, quickly, Alana, I think that means next holiday. I think we're waiting a full year for this is my bet. That's a good question. Like, like March was you like my I mean? guest. Like, you'll get pushed like, for a Are we going back to E3 2021? Sure, you know, E3, I put in quotes, but like E3 2021, are we redoing this, showing this again, and then fall we're bringing this game out? What does 2021 mean to you, Alana? Pierce? Because we don't know why it was delayed, it's so hard to say. So, like, again, I kind of think that even if the reception had been really positive, the game still would have been delayed because it's probably more a more serious development issue than, oh, they don't like the lighting. 
You know, I think it's probably mm-hmm. there's something fundamentally broken about some of the levels or some part of it. That's, again, just guesses. Like, because we don't know, it's really hard to say. But my immediate guess, um, you know, Microsoft called me at 11.30 before they broke the news and told me this was happening. And I was like, shit, I can make a YouTube video and to publish at 12. <laughs> I can make this. So I was, like, rushing to do it. And I think in that video, I was like, I'm going to guess March. And I do that like based on, you know, it being quarterly and they need to make those earnings back on the, in the next quarter in theory is how a lot of this, the business side of things work is it's very much about what slate of the year you put something in to get the return for the money you've already spent on marketing. Um, so yeah, my guess was March, but I, because again, we don't know why it was delayed. Who knows? <laughs> like, it's so well, hard to say. What, what's interesting. I only, I only knew that my guess was March as I heard myself say, like, that's just my, like my instinctive. <clears throat> I said guess. February, March. That's what <clears throat> I said out loud. Well, so let, let, let me clarify that. The reason why I think I said that is because if it's if, if they're in so much trouble that they're still a year away, they wouldn't have just realized that a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They would have known a while back and they wouldn't have done the reveal that they did. Um, yeah, I they must have that, only just figured it out. Yeah, I, th- I think Yeah, I, I think that, I think that they were like, we can do it, we can do it. Like, this is close, but we're going to do it. And it's only because it, if it's only a matter of weeks or months, um, then uh, that's that's why the decision came as late as it did. Having said that, now that they have pushed it, maybe they say, well, if we're going to push, let's push and do it right. And maybe we take a bit of extra time. Now that now that there's not so much as a rush to hit the holiday window, let's ship it in August or September instead of March. And, and again, Phil's big thing on Animal Talking was like, we want to ship the best possible version of this. So now that they're not up against this arbitrary holiday deadline, maybe they, maybe they give themselves the luxury to take a bit more time with it. They don't have to rush now. So Related to it seeming like a rush, um, and I did really like this line. I liked that they said this. They said, however, it is not sustainable for the well-being of our team. Uh, it was a literal note that it was like, if we put this out right now, it will be excessive crunch to get it done, which makes mm-hmm. me think it probably is closer right. uh, rather than a year away. Is that like, it's just that they're not making people work 24 hours a day to ship the game. Um, cause you know, as we know, crunch tends to lead to people having pretty poor performance and output, uh, professionally as well. So things don't work when you have crunch in the games industry. What if you stop doing it? That'd be cool. Um, but it, yeah, my guess is that, that, that this is, yeah, early next year, but you're right. Like <laughs> we have no idea. I just don't I know how this whole piece is true. My, my feeling is they're still going to want to try and get it out as soon as reasonably possible while having it be the version they want to ship because they're going to want Series X to get that boost of a Halo title, right, as as early as possible in the console's life cycle. Yeah, when do you think they'll Only. announce a release date? Because they're also going to want parents to buy their kids one of these consoles for Christmas. And if there's no date for Halo by the time it's on sale, that's a harder sell, I think. Mm. Oh, that's interesting there, Lana. Well... I think only time will tell on that one, depending on yeah. how far away they are. Is right. I have another fun one for you. Actually, two pieces. One to agree with Gary, right? This is 343's Industries moments, right? We've had two so-so games, good, bad, wherever you fall on that. But, like, they got to knock this out the park. So, yeah, total agreeance with you, Gary. Like, take the time. Make this perfect. Because this is one where, like, now people are really judging you and looking around going, is this the team that should be carrying this torch? What's going on here? So this one's got to be perfect in my mind. But I will say this, we had some breaking news, Alana, come from Animal Talking. Phil Spencer spoke with Gary Whitta, one of our hosts here, about the opportunity to possibly release Halo <coughs> Infinite in different segments and pieces. So we have a question coming out from our friend of the show, BJ Bernardo. It says, hi, all. How do you think the delay of Halo Infinite will affect the Halo free-to-play multiplayer? But I want to focus on this final part. Do you think there's a chance we can get the multiplayer first? Now, Gary, Phil spoke about this on your show about... Hey, we spoke as a team 
we could possibly release this game in segments and chunks. What do you think about that opportunity of releasing pieces of the game instead of just the full release? That was actually the key headline that most news outlets picked up on outside of um, Phil's, uh, 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 Phil's interview. That was, the, that was the number one headline. It was, the, it was the headline on Kind of Funny Games Daily the next day, which was um, they considered breaking the game up into pieces and, re and releasing it in pieces. Uh, Phil didn't specify whether that meant campaign now, multiplayer later, or vice versa, but they clearly had an option where they did have at least one component that they could have released prior to the holiday, and they made a strategic decision not to do that. Um, and I thought that was really, whether, whether or not that would have been, like they obviously decided not, but whether from a gamer's point of view, from our point of view, if that's something you know, we would have been pleased with. I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting question. Uh, I, you know, I, I think, you know, people would have had something of Halo to play after the holiday, uh, sorry, over the holiday, but I, maybe maybe it would have come across a lot of people kind of felt like this is kind of a half-assed release doing it in pieces like this. I don't know. What do you guys think? A little bit used to it with the Master Chief Collection releases on PC, right? Like that is a game that is being released in chunks. Um, but when it is... Those are re-releases though. I think you can get away true. with it there. It's true. And it's also yeah, multiple yeah. games, so it's different. Um, Look, I think having a beta, a multiplayer beta, before the year's up would have been a really smart idea. Uh, but I don't know that I like the idea of a multiplayer and a single player launching separately. But I mean, we know other games are doing it. We know Last of Us Part Two is doing it. Uh, obviously, that game came out. We were originally promised multiplayer. They had to push it. Um, so it's now, in theory, going to be a separate game, potentially, if they're still working on it. I haven't had an update on that for a while, but... Maybe that is the landscape we're headed towards. Um, uh, Crossfire X is sort of a yeah. similar case in that Remedy's working on the single player. The multiplayer component for that game kind of already exists. Like that, these this kind of split of video games is maybe the the future we should brace ourselves for. Yeah, and could Game Pass be leading to that? Like we've always yeah. had these people write in of like, will Game Pass change the way people make games or maybe even release them? Could Game Pass play a factor into this where now all of a sudden you technically could release half and half or a different vice versa? Maybe not with Halo, but with games in the future. That would be an interesting topic. The fact that well. it worked for Fortnite uh, and Grand Theft Auto Online yeah. um, and Red Dead Redemption, which three of the most profitable uh, multiplayer components to any video game ever, right? Is like Fortnite had Save the World and then had Battle Royale. And uh, GTA Online, you know, makes so much money off of shot cards. The fact that these massive companies have made so much money doing that kind of means everyone else in the industry is going to be like, we could do that, though. What if we it's, did exactly what they did? It's interesting. Had, had I been in the room where it happened, I might have made that argument. Again, I don't know exactly what they were looking at. Only Phil and Bonnie Ross and, you know, the studio heads, the, 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 the real stakeholders knew what they were looking at, right? Yeah. And clearly what they were looking at told them, we can't even release a piece of this. It's better just to release nothing at all right now. So they know, they, they have more information than we do. Having said that, yeah, like a multiplayer, like multiplayer, you can't release a single player uh, beta, but the idea of a multiplayer beta, yeah, we have to release something into the wild because the final stage of testing is to put it out in front of a real audience and see what's working when we when we actually deploy it. That's not radical. Multiplayer, as Alana said, multiplayer components do that all the time. You release it early. That also would have given you, at least it's something over the holiday, a multiplayer beta could have been cool. But again, clearly they knew what they had and they looked at that and decided that wasn't viable so i mm. mean maybe maybe the multiplayer wasn't even ready to go beta yeah i mean it Which is cool concerning that, yeah they brought up if you remember alana just a couple of weeks ago how this was they showed it and it was so close to the release that they had to pull back on a lot of the multiplayer flight testing is what they call that 
And they also brought up the single-player flight demos. And maybe now that it's been pushed uh, quite some way, or, you know, we don't know how long, maybe we will get more of those beta tests that you guys are talking about here soon enough or later on. That will give them more time to test and make sure that this is the best possible version coming out, which will be exciting to see. Because I want to get my hands on a beta for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like that would be a better reason for people to buy the console around Christmas. But we'll see. Uh, I will go both ways on this. I do think releasing it, you know, for me personally with 343, like I said before, they got to come out the gate perfect. So I do need a full release. I need everything to be great. It is interesting to think of what if, though. And could a multiplayer game that they just released a multiplayer suite be good enough or be interesting enough to get people really rallying behind it to get excited for the single player that could come out six months, a year later? That would be an interesting topic to look at and play it. I will say Halo 5 multiplayer is incredible. Halo Master Chief Collection has a great multiplayer suite with all the games tied in. I don't know if a Halo Infinite multiplayer just alone would really push the needle for me to be like, we got to play this every single night. I think the campaign plays such a huge factor into thinking Halo and getting people involved, right? I don't know if that's the move because that's usually when you get into first three months, everybody's playing it. You know, next three months or forward onward, it's like the tryhards and the really committed Halo best Halo fans. Would this just a multiplayer suite come out really change the game and get people excited? I personally don't think that would be the right move at all. It's an interesting point that Halo has the potential to compete with itself. And that right now, I'm trying to organize like a, a group of people to just play Halo 3 multiplayer on PC now that it's on PC, to the extent that there are probably a lot of people who would just stick with that or a Reach multiplayer over necessarily even jumping to Infinite, which I don't feel like, like, I know, Mike, you play a lot of Call of Duty. As someone who doesn't play Call of Duty, like, how have they managed to get people to always buy the new game every year rather than sticking with their favorites? Or is that community fractured? Like, I know this was an issue when Left 4 Dead 2 came out, that it split the community into two parts. You know, that's a great question, Alana. I, I, I honestly don't know. I go for the, I go for Call of Duty for the tight first-person shooter multiplayer, right? They have a good suite. Mm -hmm. It's fast. It's fun action. But I'm one of those guys that have fallen off in the recent years of Call of Duty multiplayer because I am getting a little bit slower. People kill me over and over again. And I'll bring it up again, and I know people think I'm a beat, uh, you know, beating the drum too much. But I think, for me, what saved Call of Duty was the Battle Royale. I think mm -hmm. the Battle Royale, for me personally, and maybe others out there who were burnt out on the multiplayer, this brought people back, right? The Battle Royale is the hot thing. You know Call of Duty's a tried-and-true formula with the first-person mm -hmm. shooter. Now, instead of just Team Deathmatch and Capture the Flag and Domination over and over again, hey, why don't you try this? Maybe you'll get excited. It's free to play. And then, if you love it, Maybe that brings you back to the multiplayer suite. Yeah. That would really save Call of Duty. For so me. in theory, new game mode could make you stick to Infinite more than like, you know, continuing to play all of the other Halos that are also available and hotly supported, which I do appreciate uh, yeah. in terms of multiplayer. Because it is a weird one to think about. It's like, I there are still a lot of people playing Halo 3 right now. That doesn't think, happen that often. Yeah, and what, what if Warzone 2.0 is really that great, right? That could be mm -hmm. a hot new, you know, new, quote, game mode that could bring a lot of people in because people did flock to Warzone the first one and they flocked to the horde mode in what was that ODST or Reach they had the horde mode type Fight, game yeah, Firefight. Yeah. Yep. I think that that's like what you're talking about right these new game modes that are different and new to the game really bring a lot more eyes onto it than hey yeah. we're going to play Slayer we're going to play Oddball we're going to play Capture the Flag 
the ones you've already done and you know you're either good at or not good at. I'm, I'm just, I, know, I know this is total pie in the sky, but I'm just curious to know the answer to the question. If they could have shipped something before the holiday, what personally would you have had? The multiplayer beta or the single player campaign? Multiplayer beta. Oh, single player <laughs> campaign. But I think Alana's right on this because I think a lot of people, once they beat the single player campaign, might not come back for just multiplayer, right, Alana? Do you do you think like that, or what do you think when you choose multiplayer first? I mean, if you look at the statistics, there are more people, especially where Call of Duty is concerned, that play multiplayer who've never even touched the single player campaign, and very few people that finish those campaigns. So, like, multiplayer is the thing that most people want to do, um, and it's it's also mostly that in this case, I'm not sold on the campaign. I am sold on the multiplayer already. Uh, it looks like OG Halo. I do like that the campaign, like I've said before, like the footage we saw, you know, reminded me of of Silent Cartographer. Like it reminded me of Halo 1, which means I'm more on board than I ever was for 4 or 5, which I didn't particularly care about. Um, but I, I, I just feel like the the multiplayer is is the one that gets everyone around the new launch of a console more excited or more people would do it. Gary, what do you? What would you choose, Gary? Oh, I mean, across the board, I'm a single player campaign person. I, I the Halo multiplayer world has completely passed me by. Like, I, <laughs> I I'm, if I if I jumped into a game of any 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 kind of Halo, I would just get murdered constantly, and that's not fun for me. Um, I, I I'm not I can't be competitive in those in those games. Uh, but I love a good you know story rich single player campaign. Uh, and I've always enjoyed, uh, even though I find often find the mythology and the lore of the Halo world a bit overly dense and a bit, you know, I, I can't really fully engage with it. I've always liked the mood and the vibe of the Halo um, story world. I still listen to the original soundtrack all the time. Like, it's so iconic. I just, mm -hmm. I just love it. Yeah, Lord I Breach just... and ODST. I think those are like two of the best single player campaigns of any shooter ever. Like this, the, both those campaigns are so good. I guess it's just like, again, not knowing how the sandbox is going to work with Infinite. Mm -hmm. I picture myself playing at co-op anyway. Yeah, exactly, Alana. I was I'm still thinking say, about I'm booting up that co-op with my friends. Mm. I'm still thinking about booting up that Master Chief collection and cranking up like uh, the original Combat Evolved in 4K and like just having that nostalgia trip. I got to do it. Highly recommend. Oh, yeah. you yeah. got to do it. You should join Greg Miller for the end of it. Is right, <laughs> uh, man. That's a lot of talk about the future. Very unfortunate to see Halo delayed. But let's go into our next topic, a little bit closer to us right now. We now have the official release window for the xbox series x which will be november 2020 so that's really exciting but i want to tack on to this story something else tom warren from the verge tweeted out leaked photos that were given to him it wasn't him actually shooting those photos of an xbox series s controller revealing not only the series s console now being 99.9999 percent confirmed but possibly the release uh, release date of the new consoles for November 6, 2020. Baird, our host right now, our producer, is putting up the photos there. Alana, I'm going to kick it to you first because you've worked in retail with gaming before. Are these, you know, are these legit, Alana, with these photos of the robot white controller with the Xbox Series S naming on there? Is this legit with the do not open in stock until November 6, 2020? In your experience, is this what this would look like? I mean, this looks super legit. Like, I can't say that it doesn't. Um, but yeah, getting getting those notes on that say do not sell or display before 
a particular date was really common. It always was the release date. They never put any other date on there. Um, it is usually in multiple languages. I mean, that it does look super legit. And until we saw these uh, November 6th rumors, I actually assumed the launch day was going to be the same day as Cyberpunk, um, which like sure would have been weird because why wouldn't they have announced it? Uh, but it just seemed like that would maybe be the case, which I think is the 19th or the 17th. I keep forgetting which day it is. Um, but yeah, I feel like that can't fault any of the way that any of this looks, you know, like. I have one more question for you, Alana, before I let Gary go off here. Um, when you look at this, Alana, when they say do not open and or sell before November 6th, could this be like a week long window where now you have a week to set it up and stock it? Do you think it is legit November 6th where this is the date you pull this out, you put it on the shelves and you start to sell it? And also, have we seen before where you can buy, you know, we'll call it accessories like controllers and stuff before the release of this console? Uh, if that sticker is real from the like five years that I worked at EB Games, uh, <laughs> that is the date that the thing goes on sale. 100%. Okay. There's no, there's no other date for that. They, they don't, that is the date that you can sell the thing. There is no other like, Meh, maybe a week beforehand. There's none <laughs> of that stuff. Um, I did also have someone uh, who works at a retail store DM me a picture of their um, work screens where it said that the price, it, it said November was the release date and it said the price of the Xbox Series X was $5.99. And that was in their system. And he sent me a photo of that. Um, guy obviously asked to stay anonymous, but that happened too. So, but again, those can also be placeholders. This sticker ain't a placeholder. This okay. sticker saying do not sell or display before November 6th if that is an Xbox is not a placeholder. Uh, it seems pretty legit to me. Gary, what do you think about these leaked controllers? People, it, the word is people in Chicago are grabbing these controllers and now, you know, buying them off the streets or whoever. And also at the same time, Alana, you brought up, this controller is also backwards compatible. So technically, if you have that robot white controller with the share button, you can use that on the Xbox One. So, you know, like we talked about with controls moving forward, if you had this in your hands, you could be playing with it right now. Gary, what do you think about all yeah, that? Yeah, sorry. I Sorry. I, I feel like, I, yeah, I didn't really answer your question of if the controller could sell. Oh, yeah, exactly. Could we, could we be console. selling this before the console? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I feel like November 6th is a good guess now. Sorry, Gary, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we're way past the point of, of, of uh, uh, Series S being a, an if or when. It's a when, right? Like, you know, we, we all know it's coming. They haven't announced it yet, but we all know it's locked in. Um, I think it's. I think that is fascinating. We still don't know the, the the answers to the really interesting question, which is what is the difference in performance? What is the difference in price? How does this fit into the overall kind of strategic Xbox offering going into the holiday? Because if they do have a lower power, you know, the One X is going away. Um, this is going to kind of fill that gap. How does it compare to the One X? How 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 is this a part of Microsoft's overall, you know, uh, value proposition? Uh, this holiday coming in at a lower price, undercutting. You know they can't, probably can't undercut Sony uh, by much, if at all, on the on the Series X because that's all high end hardware. But this allows them to say, hey, listen, if you want to get in on the next gen, uh, but you can't spend the big bucks, this is this is your way in. They 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 could they could um, uh, scoop up a big chunk of the market that way with a lower priced uh, offering. So I think it's all very smart. And th those are the details that I want to see. What is the difference in performance? What is the difference in price? How does it actually fit into the, into what the new Xbox range going forward, um, is going to look like? How does it fit in between the old Xbox one 
uh, and the new Series X with the One X uh, being phased out. In terms of the date, I don't really care that much. Like no one, when, when they announced November, everyone just kind of went, yeah, of course. Like when else would it be? It has to be before Thanksgiving. It has to be before Black Friday, which is late in November. It has to be in plenty of time for the holiday uh, uh, shopping. And it needs to be in plenty of time for retailers and everyone to stock it and get into their system and for the marketing to do its job, may educate and inform people that it's going to be in stores on a certain date. So yeah, you're probably going to see it. That, that November 6th date, like just, it, it just makes perfect sense. It's going to be early in um, November. Will the Series X and the Series S be on the same day? Probably is my guess. Um, but yeah, the 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 the, the date's going to be what it's going to be. I don't think the actual date, like when 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 the date comes, oh, it's the sixth, it's the thirteenth. Like, okay, sure, whatever. Like it's one week or another. I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, so there isn't really much mystery left in like when's the release going to be. Um, the big question now is again, what is the price? And there are two questions to answer there because there's going to be two skews. How different? Like how much? How separated are they in price? The five ninety nine number that Alana just threw out there sounds about right for the Series X. If that is the number. I'll be like, yeah, sure. Like, I, yeah. No, that's not going to surprise anyone. I think, I think the the interesting questions will be how aggressive can they get with that Series S? Because that's going to be really interesting. Three ninety nine, Alana. What would you guess? Uh, I don't know that it'll be that different. I'm so bad at guessing this stuff. I never get <laughs> yeah. it right. When I like think about it, I'm like, <laughs> I I was going to guess that the S would be um, probably. 500 if if the x is 600 but that that actually isn't in line with what microsoft usually does maybe so maybe 450 yeah 450 that's it's not that far off what gary said but i feel like a 450 here's here, here's a here's an interesting question for you both i find this fascinating well like no, no, that that price edge even if it's just 50 bucks 50 bucks is real money to a lot of people right like they're gonna there's sometimes some people will just go with what's cheapest um yep. and it's interesting, right? Because Microsoft and Sony are kind of in this game where, like, no one—they can't see each other's cards, you know, industrial espionage or whatever. Notwithstanding, I'm sure they—they they would do everything they can to find out what the other person is doing, but they're obviously fiercely protective of that price. Um, at this point, it doesn't really matter. Those, those the, the the economics of the consoles are locked in. They couldn't—I don't think they could change the price now, even if they wanted to. Like, the the numbers are all locked in. The, but the question is, as a matter of coincidence, because again, they but all they can do is price it as competitively as each of them can. The, the 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 two systems are roughly comparable in terms of power, but engineered very differently. Phil spoke about that on Animal Talking the other day. Very different approach approaches to thermals and cooling and mm -hmm. exterior design and the case and stuff like that. Do you? I'm just going to ask you because I was I, I like putting people on the spot and making them predict things. Do you <laughs> think the Series X and the PS5 will launch at the same price? Well, no. I, that's interesting though because the PS5 is two SKUs, is right? Right, digital only and with two the disc SKUs. drive. Uh -huh. yeah. So who knows? I, th I think they're going to be. I, I'd be surprised if there's more than fifty dollars difference between the two, if anything at all. I don't think or, they'll be the same price. Um, for whatever reason, I'm currently expecting PlayStation to be more expensive, but I have absolutely no idea why I think that. So just, again, you put me on the spot making <laughs> guesses. I'm really bad at guessing prices and dates. It never. I'm never right. <laughs> so. Um, my 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 guess is that the and like clip this and you can throw it in my face later when I turn out to be wrong. <laughs> the Series X, I'm going to say it now. The series this is my this is my like straight up prediction. The Series X and the digital PS5 will be the same price. The mm -hmm. disc PS5 will be more expensive because I think PS5 can probably afford to be a bit more aggressive 
on price. It'll be a bit more like, like, like we're Sony, pay us. Like we're the number one console. You're going to pay for the play. Of course, you're going to buy the PlayStation. You pay us for it. Whereas Microsoft, I think, you know, given that they are playing catch up after the last generation, it behooves them more to be able to to, to be able to make it. They need to be able to make a price argument if they can. Sony, I think, are so far ahead that they're just like whatever. It costs what it costs. It's also you know, Microsoft overall has more money. Microsoft as a company versus Sony has a lot more money. So I think they can afford to take more of a loss um, from a business perspective when it comes to that hardware, which, you know, as we know, is not where they make all of their money. It's software right. and subscription services. So I feel like that was the thing with the PS3 was like off the PS2. That thing was so goddamn expensive. I could see it making that same uh, uh, that trend continue, but I also don't imagine that Sony's going to go that expensive this time around. Like I don't, I also, you're right. I don't think the disparity is going to be huge. I also think Sony. I, I think I think you're right that Sony probably. I I personally think Sony don't care that much about price. I just wonder if, and this is just me prognosticating, specifically, five hundred ninety nine US dollars is historically a bogey price for PlayStation, right? Like we all remember the embarrassment of 599 US dollars, Ridge Racer and all that. It's like, that still haunts them to this day. I just wonder if for that reason, they want to they stay away from that particular price. Here we go again, Sony, 599 US dollars. Didn't work out so well for you last time. I wonder if, they'll, if they feel they need to tweak that just because they don't want the ghost of the PlayStation 3 yep. launch coming back to haunt them. Possible. That is possible, Gary. That's a great one. I guess another question as well is like, now that we know Halo Infinite isn't here anymore for the release, you know, the, the launch here, is the, is the idea of value with the console and Game Pass together strong enough selling point for Microsoft and Xbox? You have the most powerful console, sure there will be two SKUs as well, and Game Pass here, and not really a launch lineup that we're very accustomed to as gamers. Now it's kind of changed that world. Do you both think that the value in the most powerful console are strong enough selling point without a big piece of software next to it? These kind of questions, because my answer is always subjective depends on the person. Like, like I, I like, I'm like, I, I don't know. It depends who you are and what, what you value. Um, like right now, the position that I'm in being very subjective is that I'm no matter what going to get both because that's the area that I work in. So I want to have my hands on both things. Um, so there's like no question for me, but if I look at it on paper, like, unless you're really excited about, about a p particular game in, in the launch lineup, or you really need to upgrade, like you're having issues with your console or something, then neither of them have like super strong selling points. Again, the game I'm most excited about now is Miles Morales. That's my most hyped launch title. Though, to be fair, I do also love Blue Team, and I think, um, the medium looks super interesting and I'm definitely going to play it, but. I, you know, unless I know you, I don't feel like I can say is my boring answer. Yeah, it really, Alana's right. On, on price, it really, really depends on, um, you know, what, what's, what's your situation? How much, are you willing, how much are you willing and able to spend on, on video games? Some of us are more affluent than others. You know, $100, $100 is a, in price differences, maybe not so much for one person. Maybe it's a lot to another. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's subjective. In terms of power, I think that's an interesting uh, discussion. I think for like the real tribal fanboys, the ones who like to get into playground arguments, those childish arguments over, nah, 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 my console is more powerful than yours. That, 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 that's valid. Like you want to be able to say you have the more powerful console. Right now, Microsoft has that edge. Sounds like they might continue to have that edge going into the next generation, but not by much. Like look at Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh, on an Xbox Series X and a PlayStation 4 Pro. They look 
almost identical. There's not, you know, Digital Foundry has to pick the pieces out of that to tell you which one is performing better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Series X performs better, but not by much. And I don't think that that's going to be a very different dynamic going forward. In terms of the less educated, the more casual buyer, like when grandma goes to Target to buy, you know, a, a console as a Christmas gift or whatever, um, or, or just like a casual gamer, if you like, even though it's not by much, if you can just seed that narrative of like, yeah, Xbox is the more powerful console. Again, it doesn't matter if it's not by much. If you can just seed that idea, oh yeah, I, I've heard this one's the more powerful. If you can just pervade, you know, the, you know, the kind of the, the marketing with that, like we have the most powerful one, that might be the deal break. Even though, even though you probably wouldn't notice the difference, you can that can be part of the message. Yeah, we have the most powerful system. Yeah, totally. It's really cool as a gamer in 2020 now of having the power of choice and having so many options in the gaming world. And I know that I am ingrained in the Xbox ecosystem. I have always been an Xbox guy. And yeah, I've been lucky enough to get all the consoles now. But when I look forward as a gamer towards this next generation, I actually do get really excited about the idea of value, right? I'm coming from a world where I've spent all of my hard-earned money on games, consoles, accessories. And I love hearing Phil and the Xbox and Microsoft team stressing, hey, this is the most powerful console. We're going to bring you the most value we can with Game Pass, with xCloud, with having multiple generations coming with you with backwards compatibility, having day and date titles that you've had on your Xbox One, now being able to just plug it in with your hard drive and start playing those. I love the idea of that. And I think as gamers, right, no matter where you fall, like this is what we've always wanted, right? I wanted my library to follow with me. I wanted a cool service like Netflix since it's been so ingrained in me with Hulu and Netflix to have that where I can pay a monthly fee and have so many games. And now the opportunity to play anything on the go, right? I know it's going to be a beta in certain titles, but like that idea of the future with xCloud in this ecosystem, that really excites me. And I I love the selling point of, hey, we're going to give you the most value here. And if they do undercut Sony, that's great. That's even bigger marketing. If it's the same price, that's awesome as well. But for gamers, they have some great choices. And over here on the Microsoft side, it's really cool to stress that, that phrase, value in gaming, which I love. The backwards compatibility is absolutely awesome. And I don't want to undersell that, even though I keep being like, you know, these are the three games that are launching on Series X that are made for Series X. The fact that there are over 100 games, I don't, I don't know, is it over 1,000? <laughs> Whatever it is, it's a lot. Um, that you'll already be able to play day one when you get your Xbox Series X is awesome. And you're right, it's a thing I've wanted for a long time. Uh, like the platform exclusivity, even when you're supporting the same brand, um, is a thing that we've had to deal with for a long time that really sucks. So it, it is really cool. This is this, it's a great feature. This, this, is, this is another thing from Phil's um, appearance on the talk show this week that got clipped a lot and got picked up a lot in the media. At, at one point, I just said, Phil, I said to Phil, like, summarize for me, what is the central argument for Xbox as the place to play going into the next generation? Just like, sell it to me. Like, it's kind of like, why do you, the, like, the why do you want to be president question? Like, you should be able to answer this question. And, and, and he handled it in a really interesting way. Like, he'd like, he didn't, he didn't lean into like, we have the most powerful system or we have the most games or this is the only place you can play Halo. All of that stuff he's kind of taken as red and like who has what games and who has the most powerful system. It's kind of old fashioned thinking. It's not that it doesn't continue to be a big part of the equation. Of course it does. Like we just talked about what a big deal it is that they won't have Halo this holiday. But it's a more nuanced and sophisticated argument than that now. Game Pass is a game changer. It's a totally different value proposition. xCloud, which is going to come with Game Pass. Play on your phone. Play on any screen. Um, Any game, any first-party game you buy on Xbox is going to be on your Windows PC as well. There's a lot of them out there. 
So like it's 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 a it, it, there's there's more layers to the proposition than simply uh, what's the price, what's the performance of the hardware, what are the what are the what are the exclusive games? Yes, a big part of it now. But it was interesting that when Phil answered that question, he talked about a lot of different stuff other than just. We are, he could have easily made the argument, well, we do have the most powerful hardware. We are the only, we, are, we have Gears of War, we have Halo, we have Forza. But again, everyone is like, yeah, yeah, what else? And so we talked a lot about the what else, the Game Pass, the xCloud, the Play Anywhere stuff, the whole, like, we just want you to be a part of our ecosystem and our family. It's not mm -hmm. just about selling boxes. It's about getting you and getting you involved in this ecosystem. And uh, it's kind of more of like a galaxy brain argument. And I think, <laughs> it's, and I think it's very smart and it's more of a holistic viewpoint they're looking at the 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 console quote unquote wars in a in a broader context, and I think it's a very smart strategy. I love that. I want to wrap up this topic right here with a question and a what if coming from one of our best friends, Ninja Space Sloth. So Ninja Space Sloth <laughs> writes in and says, "With the Xbox Series S, everything but official. Do you think the reason for the Xbox One X discontinuation was to repurpose some of the hardware to make the lower powered specs?" of the Series S. So I want to tag on to that for both of you. What is, in your mind, or what if, what what is going to be the Xbox Series S when we see this? Will it be a disc version? Will it be a Chrome stick? Will it be something different? In your minds right now, just for fun, what do you see this console being now that we know it's pretty much real here? Uh, Alana, you got any ideas? It's a discless version. Uh, and oh, my answer wow. to the question would be no, I don't think it's so they can repurpose hardware. I think it's because it the Xbox One X is obsolete by virtue of the new hardware existing. I don't think that there is, um, aside from like maybe the price, but if it's the same price point, it makes no difference. Maybe being cheaper. Um, that you don't if you can play all of the games on the new hardware, there's no point in buying a One X. Why would they not want to give you more impressive hardware? Uh, or update everything. Yeah, I, I, it just it makes sense to replace it, basically. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I had not considered that, but I, I think you're probably right that uh, one of the features of the the Series S will be discless. It's a great way to get the again they, that that the, the key component of that offering is going to be we're very competitive on price and pulling out the Blu-ray drive is is a is a big part of that. That's an expensive part. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, and we're all we're all going discless to some degree i know some people like to hold on to their discs the play i'm probably going to buy the discless version of the playstation 5 because i just don't play discs anymore and i don't like the big fat bulge that it puts on the disc version uh plus it will be a bit cheaper um but yeah i think i think alana's right i didn't consider but yeah i think series s will be discless and i also agree with our other point that it's probably going to be similar enough in price and performance maybe a bit of a bump but similar similar enough in performance to the xbox series x that it just doesn't make sense to market them both together. It's too confusing. It's like, what's the difference? Like, it's, it's not clear enough. So get rid of the One X, replace it with something that is broadly similar, but ha but feels shiny and new, because now yeah. it's part of the Series S, Series X. It feels like a newer console. But in order to make way for it, they got to get rid of the old one, because they're probably just going to be too similar performance-wise. What's the point? Yeah. 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 As someone that's gone all digital this whole generation, I actually only bought one game uh, physically this whole generation, which was funny enough. I am excited for the idea of a discless Xbox. Uh, of course, we have the sad edition, but in this next generation, I am looking at the power. What is the power going to be? Is it more powerful than the Xbox One X? And is it less powerful than the Xbox One or Xbox Series S? There's a lot X. There's a lot in there. You know that. But where does it mean? Is it in the middle? Is it the same power as the Xbox Series X? And I'm just taking out the disc drive, which I would truly love. But if that's not the case, 
if it's in the middle there, do I buy that or do I go for the biggest one will be my uh, you know, my thoughts there. I heard some great topics, I think, either on podcast or Unlocked or Randolph Thor. He brought up, what if they repurpose the slab box? Gary, you talked with uh, Phil Spencer about it, how they've gone to the tower. What if the Xbox Series S was on the Xbox One X box still? What if it was still in that slab version? That would be interesting. To see the I mean, it, I mean, it, I mean, who knows? I mean, it really could just simply be a rebranded One X with very little difference in terms of the hardware performance. Maybe they take out the disc drive, like so. Basically, they the, the, there's a version of the S of of the Xbox Series S that is just the Xbox One X digital edition, and that's the only difference essentially. It may, I don't think it'll be that different. Um, now that you mention it, I kind of wish that they were offering. I but I, one thing I definitely think it isn't is just a discless. One X. If that were the case, they would be branding it differently. They would be calling it the Xbox Series X Digital Edition or something, mm -hmm. in the same way that PS5, you know, is, is branding that. It's the same console. The only difference is the disc drive. I, I kind of wish they were offering a Series X without a disc drive. That's the one I would go with. I'd, I'd happily save a hundred bucks on a part I'm never going to use anyway. Um, I don't really watch Blu-ray movies anymore. Everything's digital. I don't buy discs. Um, that's the version that I probably would prefer. But no, I think they're going to be very different. I think that the Series X is the full-on disc, uh, disc version, full power. Series S, probably more comparable to One X in price. And I think Alana's right. I had not considered it, but it's a good point. No disc drive. That's my, I, I, that's, I'm stealing that prediction as well now. <laughs> I love you can it. have it. It's fine. <laughs> I like it. Well, let's wrap it up. Remember, Xbox gamers out there, that the Xbox Ultimate Game Sale it's happening right now, August 14th through August 24th. So go out there, check out the deals. I love when they have these big game sales because sometimes you find some great gems that you haven't gotten. But I also like it for the DLC, Alana. I'm a big Sims guy. So I mm. like when a lot of that Sims DLC goes on sale. So I'm excited to see if they have any special DLC packages that I might not have for a different variety of games. That's usually I also like really that. like the Sims. Unashamedly, yeah. Sims is super fun. Yeah, I can get really it's into awesome. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's wrap up the show with one of our new segments right here, my favorite one, Xbox Game, Pass, Play, or Smash. Of course, each and every week, one of us or all of us will come together and talk about a Game Pass game that we've been playing and let you know if it's a pass, play, or smash that download button immediately. I'll kick it off this week once again with one of my favorite games, Descenders by Rage Squid. Descenders is an extreme downhill mountain biking game for the modern era with procedurally generated worlds and where mistakes have real consequences. You lead your team. Will you lead your team to glory and become the next legendary descender? Now it was really fun. I've been talking a lot about Amped and Alana brought up a great question of like, what does it feel like from going on the mountain to then playing a video game of a sport you love? And I really love that question, Alana, because now I've had some time to think about it. I love the idea of the simulation of things that you love from sports games to extreme sports titles like skates, amped, and now descenders of when I go downhill mountain biking, of course, I can't huck a backflip, do a sick 360, go a <laughs> thousand miles an hour. And I think that's what the simulation sports titles bring to you, right? I get to play as LeBron James, six foot eight, 225, dunking a basketball that I know I could never do. And so when I look at descenders on Game Pass, I look at a game that is so much fun, right? If you love if you love these offshoot extreme sports titles, downhill mountain biking is an awesome sport that not many of us get to enjoy. And also at the same time, if you do, you're probably more in control than you're hucking big tricks and stuff. So I, I really want to stress this one. And the biggest one as well is 
it's procedurally generated worlds, meaning every single track and level that you play is completely randomized, similar to Diablo Dungeon. So you will never play the same track twice unless you're playing one of their special maps that they've made and added on. But the coolest part is like every single fights. time I play, yeah, exactly. Every time I play, it's brand new, which I love. And they've done a great job of adding trick systems in there, multiplayer. They're having specialty tracks. They have the really fun wipeout edition tracks and special downhill tracks. So I got to give it to Rage Squid. And of course, a lot of my favorite parts, hucking giant flips and spins <laughs> off the mega ramp. At the end of every single world, you go through different worlds and you get to end that world, at maybe a desert, a jungle, a mountain peak, a forest, a valley, and you end with the mega ramp, which is the coolest. There's no extra jumps. There's no extra curves or downhill. It's here we go. Let's speed bomb. Jump over, over a train, a bro. Whoop, and you're doing the double backflip a lot. Maybe a knickknack, <laughs> patty back, maybe a candy bar. And I love that feeling. And so I want to give some love to Descenders. I will say my only critique of this game is when you do play that single player campaign focused uh, transition, they go off of life. So it's not like skate where you kind of just get back up and go. You only have a certain amount of lives that you have. And every single level you go through, you add an extra life to your tally to have five, four, three. Well, you can also, in a certain world, pick a track that will give you more life. Exactly. They have specialty ones like the Big Air or the Medic Tent. But I think the downfall of it is, Alana, for like new players that I might try to sway into this, it is punishing because you'll get to track three. And if you've wasted all your lives, you have to restart the whole world, which I don't like at all. I love it. So um, I've spoken about Descenders on the show before. I talk about Descenders like pretty frequently as a game that I love that's on Game Pass. Like I really like Descenders as someone who has no interest in downhill mountain biking. I love it. Um, And I really like the fact that it's basically permadeath because that's the thing, having not ever managed to get through every single world, because I play this game, usually like it's a game I'll play like if I'm on the phone or something. It's very casual for me, but I do play it really frequently. Um, the permadeath is what keeps me coming back is that I'm like, eventually I will get through world one and world two and world three, and I will actually finish it in just one run. But having never done that, I'm like, I really appreciate that challenge. Cause it's, it doesn't frustrate me if I don't get through, like if I fail, I'm like, cool, I'll just start again and, and play different tracks again. Cause that, cause they're randomly generated. I feel like that works. Um, and I really think the reason I played it so much is because if wow. you run out of lives, you fail. I'm, I'm super into it. You're wild, Alana. I love it. I will <laughs> say this is a very grounded game, right? It's very similar to Skate Dove. You are gonna, you're gonna use the brakes. You're gonna, you're gonna accelerate. You're gonna pump during certain sections of the map. It is really down to earth. Mountain biking is why I love it so much. The, the maps where they specify that, like the special, like what you'll get, like extra points or sponsorships or whatever, is not hitting the brakes. I'm immediately like, I can't. How? I can never do that. Like, if you try not to hit the brakes, I'm just dead. I'm like, there's, there's no way I'm ever going to pull that off. We are hitting the brakes and we are not getting that special. Uh, thank you. No doubt. Uh, it's really fun. Every single level has that specialty of like, hey, you'll get an extra life if you do this bonus mm-hmm. challenge, which I like a lot. It's got a good soundtrack. Not a great soundtrack, but one Hi. you can put on and kind of vibe to. Or it's a perfect game podcast or your favorite Spotify playlist. Like, you bump that just like you'd be riding a snowboard or you'd be downhill mountain biking. You're just getting it with your headphones on. I don't encourage that, folks. You should always be aware of your surroundings, being able to hear people. But if you do that, that's fine with me. It's a perfect game for that. Gary Witta, as a man I'm looking at with a a family man, have I convinced you to put on your helmet, put on your gloves, get your knee pads and shin guards, and downhill rip with me? Well, in a way, I'm I'm strangely ahead of you. Um, 
because you actually reminded me of another game on Game Pass that the whole family loves already, which is, I don't know if you played it, this thing, Lonely Mountains Downhill. Uh-huh. That, yeah. now, that is a lot of, a very different approach to the same subject, but that game is so much fun. It will have you tearing your hair out the same way that like Trials HD or even Fall Guys, it has that kind of vibe to it. Like so many crashes where you're like, ooh, that's going to hurt kind of crunches. Um, but it's a ton of fun to play. That's If I'm going to play a downhill mountain biking game, I'm going to go with Lonely Mountains downhill and that is the most fun i've had on game pass for a while it's it's, it's been on game pass for a little while if i'm if i'm going to give you for a, rec a recommendation for a game that's out right now and you haven't checked out lonely mountains downhill is is my cup of tea the other one i want to mention we talked about it right before the show it's not dropping until monday but that's only 48 hours away now by the time you're listening to this saturday morning um microsoft flight simulator is back it's back and i am so so excited about it i'm i you know i i i, I was the editor-in-chief of PC Gamer Magazine back in the 90s, you know, back when Flight Sims was still a, a big thing. That whole genre kind of went away. But like, you know, but the Microsoft Flight Simulator genre has been around since the 80s. It's, it's one of the most storied genres in gaming. It's been dormant for a long time. But this new version, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole recently looking at some of the stuff they're doing. It just looks absolutely phenomenal and i think flight sim fans are, are, are feeling like finally their life has meaning again but even for just casual fans like i'm not uh, even uh, a fan gary i have no oh. interest in flight simulators and i'm excited about this game why okay so okay but, but okay but explain if you have no interest in flight simulators but you're interested in microsoft flight simulator how does that add up i think it is specifically the uh realism of it that gets me so mm. like i've played flight simulators but i don't care if for the genre at all. I think it is right. the fact that it is all actual photos um, that I can yeah. fly home, that I can see the town I grew up in. Uh, the fact that it is all photo, not it's not photorealistic, it is literally photos. Yeah, is the what stuff they're me. doing with pulling the data from the maps and you can fly literally anywhere in the world. You can fly over your own house. The, the yep. major cities, they really have put a lot of actual handwork into. I was watching some 4K videos. I've got a Titan RTX in this PC here. Like this is about as like high end as a PC comes. I'm going to crank everything up and see how good it can look because those videos are just jaw-droppingly good. Yeah, it looks beautiful. It's so hard to believe that it's a video game with the way that it looks from everything that yeah. I've seen. And that's what got me. It's like, as a person who doesn't care about flight simulators, I am for sure playing that game on launch. Can't wait. Again, I, I feel weird calling it a game because I don't know if there are any like gamey systems. Like I really don't know, but uh, it, it, I'm excited. Yep, I'm on board. Gary, Let's do it. Question, question from the press pool. Someone who's excited like Alana but not big into simulators. I'm excited on a different way. And I know a lot of people in the comments will be like, go play a different flight game. But I want to know with my sick, nasty helicopter skills in the war zone, can I crank <laughs> this thing 90? Can I get it doing some corkscrews? Can I go backflip on this? Can I flip some of the, uh, you know, the gyroscope buttons in front of me on the pilot's panel and get this thing going sideways? Or is this not the game for that? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, look, you, I mean, you can fly, you can fly like, you know, the, uh, the 747 and the, you know, the big you know, transcontinental, you know, airliners, but that's the beauty of flight simulator. Like you fly almost anything. If you want to go do like stunt flips in a Cessna yeah. or whatever, you mm -hmm. can do that. Absolutely. Oh, I'm sold on it. Now we <laughs> should preference this. This is coming to game pass on PC. Correct. I think the Xbox version is, a little bit out still correct oh that's a, that's a good point the pc yep. version is coming i'm sure the series x version is going to look great as well um but yeah PC, pc on monday um i i can't wait to get into it i i want to do I, i'm probably going to stream it i'm going to do like the 10 hour you know london to san francisco flight put it on autopilot sit back relax you know eat some peanuts you know <laughs> eat some airplane snacks watch a couple of bad movies 
Um, no, yeah, it's, it's, cool. I, I can't wait to get into it. I don't know if you're aware of this, but that flight sim scene is nuts. Like there are people that spent all day just like role playing as the air traffic controller. Like they get, they disappear into that world. Like you would not believe. I, you know, honestly, I, I could see myself getting into this world. Like, I just want to live inside the flight sim world. I'm all over. Yep. I love it. Well, Lana, why don't you wrap us up? What is your game pass play or smash for the week? Uh, this is a game that I played for like, it feels like years now. Um, but it is totally accurate. Battle Simulator, you might have seen it as tabs. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. It is a work in progress. The game is not fully officially released. But it basically involves a series of, of levels where you're fighting against an army with your army. And you have a certain amount of points where you can select what kind of troops you want, basically. Uh, so you select your squad versus their squad. And then the battle is simulated in front of you. And you kind of only really figure out if maybe like, oh, you needed a guy with a shield or a guy with a spear. Or at one point, you can get like a Zeus-type guy um, who will fight off their uh, ranks effectively. So it's a really silly, really fun game with dumb ragdoll physics that's just ridiculous to watch, um, but is also an interesting puzzle game with a little bit of strategy because it can be pretty tough too, but just... Loads of fun. I recommend playing it with a group of people because there's a lot of fun to the like, oh, maybe if we pick that dude, what does that dude do? How's that going to play out? And you, you put these people down and you get to choose where you put them on the map too. And then you just watch it unfold and you're like, that was a terrible idea. That went awfully. <laughs> uh, like you could put someone on the roof like an archer on a roof because you think it's smart. But then the arch is too dumb to recognize that they shouldn't be trying to walk to the ground. They won't just arch from the like shoot from the roof. Like it's just it's just really, really fun. Um, and yeah, even in its jankiness is definitely worth playing. Also technically a simulation. So there you go. It is single player, but yeah, play it in a room of people. <laughs> I love that you guys. Well, this will conclude episode five of the kind of funny X cast your weekly podcast, all about Xbox here at kind of funny, including today, only two episodes left. So a big thank you to Gary and Alana. And of course our show producer, the man running it all behind the scenes, Barrett Courtney for the fun Please go out there, share this episode, get excited. One final episode next week for our pilot program. We'll see where it goes from the future. But thank you to all of the best friends around the globe for watching and listening on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and podcast services around the globe. For Gary Witta, Alana Pierce, and your guys, Snowbike Mike, thank you all so much for watching. We'll see you next week for episode six. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>